Hi, I'm Helen and this is Why Mums Don't Jump, busting taboos about leaks and lumps after childbirth. All the stuff that happens to your pelvic floor that no one ever talks about. Incontinence, prolapse, pelvic pain, problems that affect millions of women. One in three. I'm one of them. I have a prolapse. My pelvic organs fell out of place after the birth of my second child five years ago. And if you'd told me then I'd be speaking about this stuff out loud, I would have told you to give your head a wobble. Hi. So I know that I said that last week's episode was the last in the series and it was supposed to be. But then someone got in touch with me who I had been trying to get on the podcast, Rachel Horn, the newsreader from Chris Evans's breakfast show on Virgin Radio. I had emailed her a while back because she spoke about her urinary incontinence on air in front of hundreds of thousands of people on a live radio programme. And well, if that's not tackling the stigma, then I don't know what is. So she kindly agreed to have this chat with me and we got through all kinds of things from traumatic births to pelvic floor gadgets. There are such things. And the importance of putting yourself first when it comes to rehab, especially when you set yourself a big challenge. So, as you may be aware, Chris and Vassos are very into running. They do lots of marathons and Vassos is very involved with park run and stuff like that. And so from when I joined the team, which is almost two years ago now, they've kept saying to me, oh, you come running with us, come and do the Amsterdam Marathon with us or come to Runfest. And I'd always gone, no, 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 no. I, you know, I was doing fitness. So I would do like boot camps and that sort of thing. But running... I just wasn't doing and there was a main reason why I wasn't doing running and it was pelvic floor issues and it was one of those things where I thought you know when I run I have pelvic floor problems so I will choose not to run and I will do other forms of exercise and then it was last November and Vassos was writing a book about running I think his third book about running and uh, he wanted to kind of follow a story of somebody who didn't run and basically get them to run the marathon. And he would kind of do their training program and help them along. So he was discussing it with me and he said, oh, I think I'll get my wife to do it. So I'll speak to Caroline and get her to do it and get her on board. And then that, that will work really well. And I was going, yeah, that's a great idea. You know, I'm sure Caroline would be really into it. And anyway, then he came back into work the next day and he went, no, 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 she was not up for it at all. But I was thinking what about you? And I was, <laughs> my initial reaction was that sort of, you know, when your tummy just drops, no, 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 it's not me. And then I kind of thought, oh, you know what? I'm, I was turning 40 in those sort of 12 months. Um, it's the London Marathon. What a privilege to run the London Marathon, mm-hmm. to do it with the support of somebody like Vassos, who knows everything there is to know about running. What is stopping me? Well, what's stopping me is my pelvic floor. And actually, if I'm going to sort it out, this is this is the perfect time to do it. So I said, right, okay, actually, right, Vassos, you're on. I'm going to do it, but I need to get myself sorted. And so he said, right, I'll draw you up a training timetable. You need to start doing some short runs between now and Christmas, and then we'll really get into it after Christmas. So I thought, right, I need to get myself sorted. So spoke to a couple of people. Oh, I might need to, does anybody know anybody? And and even those conversations were a little bit sort of, oh, does anybody, has anybody had an issue or anybody sorted out this sort of thing? Yeah. So to give you my background, I had three children in three years, basically. Um, wow. Three vaginal deliveries. The first one was quite traumatic. It was a 27-hour labour. 
In the end, I was frozen up for a cesarean, but they delivered him with the Vontus and forceps in theatre. Oh, gosh. Yeah. And at the time, I may have been told, but I don't remember being told, I had a third degree tear, but I was mm-hmm. unaware of it. So when I had my second, 19 months later, we went for the midwifery-led um care which was just it was in the hospital it was just on the other side of the corridor rooms were the same you know it had a bouncing ball in it but it meant if you did need medical intervention it was just across the way and uh, we had this amazing midwife and I gave birth on Christmas day and I remember I remember I was up on my hands and knees and this amazing midwife was massaging my lower back telling me where to push when the contractions came and Alex says that as the baby crowned, he said the midwife gave a very sharp intake of breath and just went, oh, did she have a third degree tear last time? And Alex said, oh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know, I don't think so. And she went, I think she did. And she's just gone right along the scar line. Oh, my God. So, so I had him, I had him on gas and air. They then had to give me an epidural to do my stitches and send me into theatre. Yeah. Galling. I can totally relate to that. Yeah. <laughs> so then when it came to my third... Um, so we said, look, you know, third degree tear, two third degree tears, um, quite severe blood loss with both of them, sort of borderline transfusion. They were like, OK, this time around, you've definitely got to be under medical care. And I had so I had the midwife who was on duty. I had a student midwife who'd been following my pregnancy for her course. And so when I went into labour, she rocked up. And then I also had the midwife, a head midwife who was on duty for that shift who basically said to me, look, I've seen your notes, you've had two third degree tears, you're not going to have another one. I've been working for 19 years and I've never had a third degree tear on a delivery and I'm not going to let you have one. Wow. Which was great to hear. So so I remember with him, I was I was stood up in the room. So I was in like a medical gown and everything. It was much more medicalized, mm-hmm. but they were allowing me to labor the way I needed to. They weren't sort of restricting me. So I was stood up and I had these three women around me and Alex and um and I was having contractions and I said oh this 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 one's different this one's different and they were like no 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 you're fine you're fine I was like no 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 this one's different and the student midwife lifted up my gown and just went shit baby's head Ooh. and um and all three of them just went stop pushing and the three of them physically lifted me up put me on the bed and the head midwife she was like I've got to hold your perineum shoved her hand up held it and I delivered him with a second degree tear so then so that was I mean that was amazing for I was me. gonna that say was that progress. probably felt like quite an achievement I was like <laughs> yay so um and so then she stitched me up and it was it was such a different experience because obviously with third degree tears with the first two and being on epidurals I had a catheter in I was in overnight um you know I didn't have any of this sort of you know it was, it was all in theatre so with with my third so she stitched me up and she said, right, um, if you want to just go and have a shower, uh, bathroom's there. I said, sorry, what? <laughs> wow. What? So she's like, yeah, we'll go. We'll leave you to it. So he was already feeding at that point. She said, when he's finished feeding, give him to Alex and then you can go and, and have a shower and sort yourself out. So that was very unreal. And I remember just sort of getting off the bed, feeling so wobbly. But yeah, getting into the shower. So, you know, first time around, you pack that bag, don't you? With all your yeah. lovely body wash and your moisturiser and all of <laughs> that. Make, I didn't have any, any of that third time around. <laughs> oh, yeah, makeup <laughs> for your new baby pictures. So, yeah, got into the shower and had a shower. And that was amazing oh. to, to be able to do that within, I think he was only about half an hour old. 
So then, yeah, so then they said, you can go home. I was like, I don't, um, well, I can go home now. They're like, yeah, you don't need to stay in overnight. And I said, to be honest, there's nowhere for me to sleep. All the grandparents are in the house. And also there are two other children, aged three and one and a half. Oh, I'd yeah. quite like a night in hospital. <laughs> <laughs> so they said, well, given the blood loss on your previous deliveries, that will keep you in for 24 hours for, just to keep an eye on you. So that, that was good. So So that was kind of my history. So in terms of what I put my body through there was very little recovery time in between each delivery gosh yeah I then had three kids all very young and running around doing that and actually after I had my third so I took a year's maternity leave with each and then with my third I took an extra year on top so I had two years off with him and um you know you're just so physical and you are I was aware that there were some issues but it was it was nothing that was preventing me from doing what I felt I needed to do, which was keep these three children alive. And they become your absolute priority and you just kind of fall down the list as long as you're sort of clean and clothed, you know, nothing yeah. else is a priority really. And um, I, I did, I remember when Dara was about three and I, so I was leaking. So I was wearing, I was wearing tenor ladies, I was wearing incontinence pads Possibly not every day, but, you know, on and off, um, probably most days. And I thought, well, that's probably not the way we should be going forward. I was only in my mid-30s at that point. So I went to the doctor and I said, look, I think I've got a bit of an issue. And they were great. And they said, look, we'll refer you to a gynecological physiotherapist, which was a mouthful. And I remember going to see her and I remember I had nobody to look after my youngest. So I had to take him with me. And um, I... Uh, I remember luckily she had a whole box of toys because I had to lie up on a bed and she had to do an internal exam behind the curtain and luckily there was this box of trucks which thankfully kept him occupied because you know if he'd put his head around the curtain <laughs> I've been there oh, oh yeah I've been for a pessary fitting with two under fours um yeah oh, my word and an iPad and a promise of sweets oh <laughs> yeah there, bribery the iPad. you can have sweets oh, when we're doing do not look around the curtain <laughs> Yeah, whatever it takes. And this um this physio, she was lovely. Um I had been in between seeing the GP and seeing the phys- physio, which probably took a couple of months to get the referral through. I'd been doing the exercises because also I hadn't been doing any exercises. So I've been doing the exercises and I did find there was improvement. Mm-hmm. So I think when I saw the physio and I said, look, you know, there has been improvement um, and also I think, you know, we can be very guilty. Women can be very guilty of, of not putting our hands up and saying, actually, I need to be sorted. Uh, I need to come first and I need to be fixed. And so I was just like, look, you know what? There's been some improvement. I'll just keep doing the exercises. It's fine. And I guess, you know, she probably thought, okay, well, if she says it's fine, then it's fine. So she was like, okay, just keep doing the exercises. If there are any future problems, do get back in touch with your GP. So that was kind of that really. And I kept doing the exercises for a bit. And then I stopped doing the exercises because... Life. I had three children <laughs> yeah. and a career and you just, yeah. you know, and, and it's easier to wear a pad than to do the exercises, if you're, if I'm honest. So, so yeah, so it came to the marathon and I thought, I can, well, this is not going to be pretty if I don't get this sorted. So I spoke to a friend who said, I know a great um, female physio who is good at pelvic floor stuff. So I went to see Emma James and the woman is a godsend. So I went in, I went to see her in, it was before Christmas and I, I went into the room and 
and she was sat there and she she just said so tell me your story and you're just like oh okay and 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 there's just that release in just talking about yourself so when nice have, to talk when about do you yourself. ever get a chance to kind of go through that or process that or just yeah. have that space to explore it yeah and she just sat and she just listened and then she said okay well, we can fix this and I just burst into tears because yeah. I felt heard mm-hmm. and it's not that other people in my life weren't listening to me I just wasn't talking mm-hmm. you know because I didn't have the time or the space because I had so many other things and so many other people to look after before me yeah and it was it was like a huge weight lifted off me and uh, she said, you know, I think it is just, as you said, three kids in three years and tears and your muscles are just exhausted and, and injured. And I remember listening to one of your podcasts, Helen, and you talk about how it's an injury. And once you put that in your head, it's how you reframe your thinking. It's an injury that needs to be fixed. If I had a, 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 an Achilles injury in my in my ankle or if I had a shoulder injury which was stopping me from doing a sport that I loved. I would do everything in my power to get that fixed. So why am I not fixing this injury? Yeah, I don't. It, that blew my mind. That I don't know why I'd never thought about it in those terms, but I just, I just hadn't. And like you say, once you reframe it, it takes, it makes it less scary actually, and less all present and all powerful. And also, it makes it seem less self indulgent to want to fix it because yeah, I think there's that's very really much point. this, this sense that. Wearing an incontinence pad or not being able to jump is a almost a badge of honor. Like it's just it's it's what we go through as women, and it's not. Mm. You know, getting a, a, a an injury from running is not what you go through as a runner. It is to an extent, but then the rest of the journey is that you fix that. Getting you know having incontinence issues because you've had children. Yes, it is part of the story, but you've got to get to the next chapter where you fix it. You don't just put up with it. And I think so many of us just accept it as part of motherhood and not just motherhood. So many women who haven't had children suffer from it. And I think it's so important that, like you've said, you treat it as an injury. You know, it's 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 people talk about mental health issues and somebody close to me talks about it as in if she had a broken leg she would put a cast on it so if she has mental health issues she uses medication or meditation to fix it if you have incontinence issues you know you fix it with exercise possibly with surgery for some people but it is not just something that you should have to put up with and that you should be quiet about you know it's something that can be fixed yeah it's not just a byproduct of, of having children it's not something you have to put up with It's not not just a full stop. So my situation had become worse. And I was wearing an incontinence pad every single day. Uh, I didn't leak every day, but there was always the possibility of a sneeze or running to catch the tube or, you know, just, just, you know, one of the kids catching me unawares. And depending on what you're wearing, that could go either way. And I think the point, the point at which I started wearing one every day... So my eldest had a music concert at school. He was only in year four. He'd been playing the saxophone for a year or two. And um, 
I was determined to make this music concert and it was at six o'clock and I was getting the tube out of London and I'd, you know, strategized it down to the last minute. I'd asked him to put him on at the end of the concert. So I'd like rushed out. So I was still working at the BBC at the time. So I was doing the business bulletins on BBC News. So I'd rushed from the studio, literally ran from the studio to the tube, still in a full face of makeup, um, got to the tube, made my train, got to my station where I'd parked my car, jumped in the car, drove to the school. I was getting texts from um, other mums who were there saying, he's at the end, he's not on yet. There's, you know, there's six to go before him. So I pulled up and I had to park quite far down from the school because loads of people were parked. And I ran from my car. And as I ran, I could feel myself. And I didn't want to miss it. Oh, love. And I ran into the hall and I got in at the back just before he went up and I saw him and I was so proud of him, but I had to hold my bag in front of me. I was wearing a blue dress and it looked like somebody had just thrown a pint of water at me. I'm sorry, that is so rubbish and it's... There'll be so many other women who have had that experience, not in that, not in that same school hall, but in different in different walks of life, at work, in the office, in a meeting, whatever it is. Oh, not but honest. I made the concert, <laughs> and he was you brilliant. did because you're a mum. You're like, whatever, I'm gonna be there. Oh. Even if I'm gonna wet myself, I will be there. Oh. So from that point, I started wearing a pad every day, and that was. That was probably two years before then deciding to do the marathon and deciding that I needed to get it sorted. So, yeah, so Emma has been amazing. I think if anybody can find a women's physio who can really hear them, oh, my word, hold on to that woman tightly. So we went, she she was like, right, you're trying to run a marathon. So it's not ideal. I'd rather have had maybe six months with you before you started trying to do something that intense on your body. But we'll work with what we've got. So we went for a sort of multi-pronged attack using uh, the Pelviva. Have you have you seen these Pelviva things? So, yeah, a little bit. Um, I'm really interested. There's a lot of, I think, what is called femtech around at the moment. And I think it's really interesting and I'd like to know more about it. Um, things, things that kind of... Uh, do little electric pulses into your pelvic floor yeah. to train it or so so I've done three different things and they're probably at three different sort of price points so I've used the secret whispers which I think are a brilliant way for anybody to start and she was actually she contacted me and Emma after she heard me talking on the radio about it and she sent me a set of her um secret whispers and, what, and, and what's What's that? That is that. That's weights, so is it? Secret whispers are like weights. They look like small ping pong balls. It's just. And, it all sounds so oh, crazy, doesn't it? Yeah. It's hilarious. Get some vaginal weights. Them, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Um. You, you. They. They kind of sit in a sort of white silicone sort of holder. You push them up into you. I mean, some people might need to use a lubricant, but they're they're very soft. They do go in quite easily. And then you do your, you know, your 15 quick pulses and your, you know, up for three in the lift, hold for five, down for three floors. You do all of that, but with the weights in to increase the work that your muscles are doing. And that's those those are very inexpensive and they've been great because you can do them whenever. And then I've also been using the Pelviva and that looks like a large tampon sits in your vagina 
and it does like little pulses but it does it all so you don't have to do those contractions and with that you can sit down and watch telly or you can walk around this today I had a pelviva in while doing a sort of six minute hit workout of like squats and lunges to again you know really get those muscles working and to really get the most out of it with the pelviva they recommend that you do one every other day for three months so that full course is about 600 quid which is quite expensive mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um but you know i think even if you just buy you can buy them in a much smaller packet just to see if it works for you and then there's the pelvi power chair which is like this game of thrones sort of hilarious I saw piece a of picture kit of it on your instagram like a dentist yeah, so chair or something it's like a dentist chair for your vagina. So you <laughs> sit on it and they turn it on and they can increase the intensity, but it's essentially a magnetic coil that sits under the seat. And it feels like there's an army of like tiny little elves with little hammers, like hammering up underneath your bum. Um, so I've tried all three of those, but I was also doing all of the marathon training as well. So I was running half marathons, doing 16 miles. So I was still leaking um and leaking significantly like on the longer runs like when I did my 16 mile run I wore a maxi pad and had to squat behind a hedge to change my entirely full maxi pad while my friend looked out for dog walkers like kind of after about 12 miles um then we hit March marathon gets cancelled everybody goes into lockdown of course right yeah everything stops And like everybody else, I'm suddenly working from home, broadcasting from the front room while also homeschooling three children with Alex's help. But he's doing all his home tasking stuff. He's busier than he's ever been. You know, your your, your Tesco shop has gone from 15 minutes online to a three hour (laughs) event while Mm -hmm. you're queuing and getting around the store. All those things that we used to be able to, you know, get help with, with school, with cleaning the house. All of that is now, you know, yeah. we're doing all of that. So everything else just went to the back burner. And, and routine as well. There's, there is like, it just goes out of the window. So if you manage to sort of pocket in those little times for yourself where you could do a few pelvic floor exercises or whatever it is, it's just, it just blew up, didn't it's it? It's just gone. So, so everything kind of stopped. But for me, uh, what I kept doing was I was like, right, I don't have to do these long runs but I'm going to keep running for my mental health because I had found what that's what I had discovered was that I loved running yeah, and I had not done it for so long because of pelvic floor things. And, and I've done other, you know, I do some personal training sessions. I do yoga on an app on my phone. Um, I do boot camp, really enjoyed that, but actually the running, I found a freedom in it and a real sort of independence. And I loved running on my own and I loved running with a friend. Obviously in lockdown, I couldn't run with a friend. I was running on my own again. But we were really lucky where we live. There's loads of trails through woods and stuff. And that was just so, I loved it. I went for a run one day and I went running through this. There was nobody there. And I just ran screaming at the top of my voice. And it was so liberating. I came out the other end of the woods and there was a woman there with her dog. And I was like, oh, oh, sorry. Did you just hear me screaming in the woods? She said, no, no, I didn't actually. And I was like, oh, good, oh, good. But if you want to have a scream, those woods are the place to do it. And she was like, well, I might just give it a try. But it was it was fantastic. Like, it always makes me think of Phoebe out of Friends. You know how she runs in that really mad style, kind of yes, legs and arms yes. going all over the place when no one's oh, watching. Yeah, and it's just running. Yeah, it's not liberating. about technique. It's about freedom. Yeah. Um, 
But what I did realise was that I was running three miles. I could do three miles dry. And that was an improvement? Oh, unbelievable. So I would say, so by sort of six weeks to two months after I'd started seeing Emma, I had stopped wearing pads every day. And I will be forever grateful to her for that. And now that lockdown is easing and, you know, the marathon may or may not be happening in the autumn. I think we're going to hear about that quite soon. I want to do it when it happens, whether it happens in the autumn, whether it happens next spring. I want to do it. But I've also said to Emma, I think the idea that I could run 24 miles dry is probably unrealistic, no matter how much work we do. That is a huge impact on your body. What I want to get to I would like to get to five miles dry by September because I would love to do a five mile run and at the end of it meet my husband and my kids for a coffee without having to firstly deal with a heavy wet pad, sodden leggings and let's be honest sometimes a little bit of nappy rash. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know that's where I want to get to. If I can get to that I would be so proud of my body to, to, to have recovered from, you know, going through the birth, the carrying and the birth of three children, to have recovered to run five miles dry would be magical to me. Not everyone is going to be looking to run a marathon, but it seems to me that with the right support, there is progress to be made. I think it's always worth saying that I have no affiliation with any of the products that were mentioned. As you heard Rachel say, some of them have been gifted to her. And uh, technology for pelvic floors, Femtech, and the research around that, I just I think it's fascinating. It's definitely something I'm interested in exploring. So hopefully in the next series, we'll be talking about that. None of this, of course, is intended as medical advice. So please seek out your own professional help, but don't ignore your issues. Put yourself first for once. And if returning to running or other kinds of exercise is important to you, then I can really recommend that you listen to episode six of this series, Finding Fitness, for some great advice on how to do that safely. And if you're new to all of this, then please do listen to episode two, Pelvic Floor Problems 101. It's the conversation I wish I'd had when I first found out about my prolapse. A couple of other quick things to mention. Lovely Loose Brett from episode 5 launches her book this week on Thursday the 25th of June. It's called PMSL or How I Literally Pissed Myself Laughing and Survived the Last Taboo to Tell the Tale. And after the runaway success of episode 8, Pop Club, last week, I'm so glad to say that Pop Clubs are being formed via my Instagram page right now so if you're looking to meet other women with pelvic floor dysfunction i know that sounds really weird but i think it could be brilliant then check out at why mums don't jump on instagram and get involved tell me what you think spread the word tell a friend or spam a whatsapp group let's end the stigma together you've been listening to why mums don't jump with me helen ledwick you can find me on instagram or you can find me online at why mums don't jump.com bye for now